In a world that can be challenging and at times unpredictable, it's hard to find moments to focus on what you need. Join Stephanie James on The Spark as she guides you to use your inner flame to ignite your best life. As a best-selling author, psychotherapist, transformational life coach, and international show host, Stephanie is dedicated to helping you create a life that takes you, your goals, and your passions to the next level so you can live a life that is fully lit up and fully alive. She believes that your life is meant to be a beautiful expression of the things that light you up, that by living your dreams, you give permission to others to do the same. Are you ready to feel alive and inspired to fuel your dreams and put a fire behind your desires? Let's ignite a spark in one another that will illuminate the world. The Spark with your host, Stephanie James, starts now. Welcome to The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. I'm very excited today to have Faust Ruggiero with me. Faust has almost a 40-year career as a research author, clinical trainer, and therapist. He developed the Process Way of Life Counseling Program and has written an award-winning Fix It Yourself handbook. He also has a radio show, Fix It with Faust, and I'm just excited to talk to you about your, your first handbook, your new handbook. I know you have Fix Yourself Handbook 2 coming out. So welcome, Faust, to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for the invitation. Yeah, so I'm, I'm so curious, number one, about your career, because you've taken on many different roles throughout you know, this almost 40-year career. Can you give us a little walk through your personal history? Yeah, sure. You know, that's, also, that's by design. I was never one of these people that wanted to be um, one-dimensional, if you will. You know, you come out, of, come out of graduate school and you say, okay, now I'm going to go and do this, or I'm going to, you know, so, uh, I mean, so I moved, out to, when I got done with college, I, I started with a, a nursing home, then it was a, an out, drug and alcohol clinic, and another clinic with deaf kids, and an inpatient clinic, uh, you know, and uh, at the prison, you know, I was there five years, it was just a, an enlightening place to be, so that, that took up the first 10 years uh, after graduate school, and then uh, 30 years, 32 years now, I went into private practice, and uh and I, I diversified that and I had a lot to draw from. So it's individual, family, marriage, substance abuse. I do a lot of uh, work with uh, abused women, uh, you know. So the books came along later on. Um, and uh, the first one, the Fix Yourself Handbook, did really well. Uh, so we turned it into a series. The Fix Your Anxiety Handbook is now ready to be uh, published. And then we're going to, there are five more books planned in the Fix Yourself series. Uh, the Fix Your Discrimination Handbook is one we're going to, is just uh, finishing uh, the research design. So I think I'll start writing at the end of the year. So uh, it's now becoming a ride. <laughs> it's 150 interviews later. And uh, now nationally, we're starting to get some, uh, some, uh, some play, some, some traction. So We'll see where it goes, but it's, it's where I want to go now. I want to move this forward a little bit and see how many people we can help. Wonderful. Yeah. So, and I, I have to ask you the question, Faust, when, when you were a little boy in elementary school, did you say, when I grow up, I want to be a therapist or what, what was your dream? No, it's kind of everyone else said it for me. I always, I, 
done so many interviews and it always comes up. I was the kid, not when, not that young, but I've always been a listener and people have always fascinated me. So that was there. So when people talked, I listened. By the time we got into high school, it was, you know, you had a problem, talk to Foster, you, you know, it was that type of thing. Uh, and so I kind of knew you know, it, it was a perfect fit. I, I think I've kind of, my purpose here is to be in service of people. So, you know, not only do I do that well, I, enjoy, I still, after all these years, I still love doing it. So yeah, from the beginning, they, they grabbed me and they didn't let me go. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I love that though. I, I really do. And I really resonate with your, you know, when you first got out of grad school, the same was true for me. I worked with developmentally disabled. I worked with seriously mentally ill. Mm -hmm. I worked in psychiatric hospitals, worked for the school district, and then found my way into private practice for almost the last 16 years. So I, I love how it's like, as you've continued to learn more, I imagine, and grow mm -hmm. and develop yourself, that's coming out in your professional world. It does. And you have so much to draw on. There are so many places to go. When someone comes in, it's not like I've got to listen and maybe have a, an idea. We'll work together and I'll point you. I usually know exactly where they need to go. I may not tell them that because I certainly want them to get there on their own and in their own way. But you always, there's so many, so many things to draw on. And that's really why I set it up that way. Even in graduate school, um, I, I uh, had several offers, you know, as you apply to graduate school. But the, Illinois State, where I, where I went, said, you can design the program the way you want it, which is what uh, grabbed me. So instead of just going to clinical psychology, I also took developmental. So I knew normal development. And I really think if you're going to do clinical, you know, abnormal, you should know the normal part of it too. And they gave me a research minor. So it really, you know, again, there's always been this wealth of information to draw on. And that's, uh, I like being that complete therapist, if you will. Well, absolutely. I love that. It's as if when someone comes into your office, you always have a reference point. You do. Like you said, so it's, it's not, you have to, you know, research, how do I work with this client? You, and plus in your career, you've worked with so many diverse populations that I, I imagine that really contributes beautifully to what you do. It does. And you also see different views of humanity. So you can appreciate where people are coming from. There's no shock value. When the person comes in, you just um, love them for themselves, if you will, and move from that point. And, you, and you, you're, you're confident in, in, in your capabilities and you're able to move forward and, and help them in a way they want to be helped. They get to pick that, so to speak you know, and then you can go with it. You don't have to fit them into a mold or some type of a stereotype or something you studied in school or some coaching course told you what to do. You know, you, you can really just let it all happen. And then, you know, the information comes in and then you funnel it out and it, it takes on a whole new life for them. That's, that's what I like about counseling. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and the most effective counselors are exactly that. I love that. That's, that's something that's important to me as well. It is. That it's, it's like, it comes through us mm -hmm. and we're it, not in our heads when we're, we're with a client. Yeah, it's like really being able to drop into your heart and know that all that vast experience and that wealth of knowledge will come through in the right way that serves the client in the way they need it. Yeah. It's really having faith in yourself. And I always say you're going to be a confident counselor, but when you have, and that's, I think what you just described, when you have that faith in yourself, you can sit back because you know, it's going to happen. You know, it's going to come and you can calmly let it flow. You don't force it. I think too many counselors force it. They, they have a concept uh, in their minds of the way it should be and they force it or 
they haven't settled some of their own issues, you know, and then it comes in and it touches an emotion. And then you say, you know, start identifying. And that's really not what this is all about. You know, this is, uh, it's all about them, not us. Yeah. Yes. Well, and so now that, that brings me to this question because, you know, I, I think in my films, one of the most important elements for me is let allowing people to see kind of behind the curtain, if you will, mm-hmm of thought leaders and, you know, these people that are major wisdom keepers and change makers throughout the world, that they're really real people too, and that they've done their work. And so I guess that is the question as well. Is that something that's been important for you throughout your life? And I imagine you have, no matter how charmed a life we have, you know, we have had that you've had your share of difficulties and challenges. Absolutely. You know, I don't think I I would say none of us get out of this world unscathed. You know, this is just life. Uh, And and if you're willing to play along with it, that's great. You know, when I wrote the first book was interesting. It it was it's a very general concept. There are 36 chapters. So there are 36 different problems. And when I got done and of course, you know, you write a book, you edit and you edit and you edit, you know, by the time you're done, you, you've, you cut the cycle is I know where everything is to, I forgot where everything is in the book. (laughs) But after it was done and I was counseling, I was actually drawing on what I wrote in the book. And I started to realize that all these, all this stuff, this humanity in me was actually drawing on the book and even getting fixed a little more as I went along. So that's the other thing I tell people, you know, you're a work in progress. That's why you're here. But I hope you didn't think we got to the point where we arrived, because if that's the case, then that means if that happened to me, I stopped learning. And then that's the counselor you get, the guy that stopped learning. I think you, you keep your humility in check and your gratitude where it needs to be. And you continue to learn along with people. And then, you know, then, then that wisdom comes through because I think you need that. You, you need humility to, just to be wise. So you keep learning and you never get too full of yourself. So beautifully said. And I, I, I think that resonates with me in like the Buddhist teachings where they mm-hmm. say, you know, approach each day with a child's mind, because in that mindset, that's where we can learn. That's where we can grow. And if we come at it every day as the expert and we're putting on that mask, you're exactly right. We're not learning. And I imagine this is true for you too, that you learn so much from your clients as well. Clients and in life, you know, uh, the Buddhist philosophy talks about nirvana and, and, all, and, and, and what I teach is similar. It's called, it's just, it's called internal balance. And, but it's very practical. You know, we are physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual entities. So we can balance those attributes out. That's what Buddhist teaching, that's what any good Christian uh, philosophy, teaching, any, any, any good yeah. uh, spiritual teaching has that at its core. And I just teach people to learn how to slow their lives down. So the body, you know, uh, we were, I was talking about breathing with a, a client last night and said, well, I can do the exercise. I said, well, that's great. But how about if you keep it conscious and always keep your breathing slow? If that's the goal, you know, the, the exercises help us, but it's keep it there all the time. Keep the body where it needs to be. Keep in touch with the earth, so to speak. Uh, get your intellect over your emotions. That doesn't mean you can't emote. It just means put them, you know, put that on the back burner for a moment. Take a step back, breathe, catch your breath, understand what you need to do, then emote then in a more healthy fashion. Teach people how to be honest with themselves. The hardest thing I teach anyone is to be honest because everyone thinks they have it and they all think they respect it. 
and then you know you just like peeling the onion off you get past that first layer of honesty great then it starts burning your eyes a little bit and then you taste it and then you know you're being honest then we talk about that and being uncomfortable to get comfortable and all those those things you know so it's always about balance that's where i take everyone in anything i do in in the whole series every book is about those processes and and and, and how we I use those to balance our lives. Well, and how did you come to choose fix it yourself? How did this kind of evolve out of you? Well, you know what? When it comes down to it, you can, we can have advisors in our lives and gurus and therapists and all, but in the end, we still have to do it. And I, and I tell people that you come to my office for an hour. The other seven days, 24 you are alone or you're doing it. So it's really all about you. So I, years ago, I just said, okay, if I'm going to teach you something, because really I'm in business with you to be out of business with you. That's really, if exactly. I'm doing this right. So you're going to do it yourself. So I, so let's get real practical about this. You put together a program where they can uh, understand the information, learn how to use it. And then I give them the exact steps do this based on what you've told me about your life, uh, all the facts that we re- reviewed. These things are going to work for you. And I do that in all the chapters in my book. At the end of every chapter, there are the four or five or six or seven steps. Do these things. So I'm giving you information. I'm showing you how to use it. And I'm telling you exactly how to use it. Then go apply it in your life. I think that's the way therapy should work. I want my books to be kind of an extension of a therapy setting. So you know, the new one, uh, Fix Your Anxiety book, uh, handbook, I did the same types of things, chapters with the, uh, the advice at the end of the chapter. But, you know, I split it up a little bit. I didn't deal with person who is anxiety. I dealt it with like there's a demon inside you. And we, I split it. So I gave them something to attack, not themselves. So, yeah. you know, it, 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 it's all practical. Go, it's, it's do it yourself with an instructor to help you get there. Look at it that way. I think it's the best way to do things. Also wow, takes our, it takes our ego out of the picture. I don't want to be needed. Right. If, right. You, know, you can need me in the beginning, but then there's going to be that weaning off process, you know, call it transference, call it whatever you want to call. It. There's that weaning off process where you go do this yourself now. And if you need me ever now, now and then you might say, what do you think about this? And I'll be glad that I'll always be there, but fix yourself because that's what we do. It's our life. Exactly. And I resonate again so much with everything you're saying. And one of the lines that it's not a line, one of the phrases that I use in my therapy sessions is it's my job to work myself out of a job. Exactly. And that's exactly what we're doing. And how wonderful to have this manual that I, I almost envision and tell me if, I don't know if it's set up this way, but that someone could go and do, let's say one of the chapters and then do the exercises and then come back and consult with you and say, this is what I'm practicing. This they is what do I'm that. Doing. Yeah. A lot of people are doing that. Uh, and, and that, you know, it really helps them where they, they're seeing it come alive. The other thing is the way I wrote the book is they're written chapters that are five, six, maybe seven pages. So it's two years down the road, your anger is coming back. You can go right to the chapter on anger, read for 15 or 20 minutes, go to the steps and say, oh, I know where I lost it now. And it's a reference book that you can always go back and use. 
Perfect. Well, and the, now the, the anxiety one sounds very apropos for our world today, Yeah, where, where we're dealing with so many things that are unpredictable and so much chaos. That, that's an, this one is an outgrowth really of what I'm doing every, every, every day. You know, since the, this pandemic, people have come in with such anxiety and, and so much of it's emotional and reactionary. And I'm watching them as their emotions have taken over their lives and everything's going fast. It's all right. Here's the anxiety. So let me get you out of this and back into a normal way of doing things. It's really all it is. Uh, it was actually going to be the fourth book. Uh, but uh, when I looked at the way things are, I said, we better step, step this thing up a little bit, put this one, because if we don't get there, if we don't get them through this, they're going to have a hard time with the rest of them anyway, let, our, let alone their own lives. And you know what happens with anxiety, it turns inward and now it's anger and next thing you know, it's coming out. And we're seeing that all over the, all over the world now. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. What, what for you personally, do you use when you get anxious? My techniques, all the things we're taught, you know, um, people have asked me that you must have something special. And I said, well, gee, if I had something special, I would, I would share it with you anyway. It's what I teach. So, you know, you know, example, as we were talking before we, we started recording this thing, I'm doing this whole project is really taking off. So when it does, everyone is, you know, I've, I've done five in the past two weeks, I've done five magazine interviews. I've done seven, five in, um, interviews uh now of course there's a publicist and he said we need this we have to be over here so you can see it just take off so what do i do slow down keep in mind i've done this what i've done all my life if this doesn't work out i'm still the same guy you know try to get ahead of this and say what if it doesn't are you going to be okay yes i am slow down get honest with yourself put your world in, in, in order a little bit, stop emoting, don't get it, you know, because you know what happens, you, you're supposed to be here and now you've got all this that you're thinking about and you're not here anymore. Yeah. So I'm using all just the same principles I teach and they work. So I'm hearing part of it is logic, you know, it kind really of, is right. I, I always said I'm a, a, a dynamic, practical teacher. That's what I do. I, I interact with them. I'm not going to, I'm not the therapist that says, Oh, really? Well, how do you feel about that? I think I'd drive myself crazy if I did that. <laughs> and them, you know, so I'm involved. It's, it's an interplay back and forth. And then it's all very practical, actionable stuff. If it, I always say, I don't care how much wisdom you get. If you can't apply it, it stops. You have to get, when you apply it, you introduce it into the environment. It becomes alive. And then some parts of it will change. Some things you'll use. And even what you use today may need to change as you pivot to the next step of your life. That's just the way it works. So, you know, I, I just try to t teach people that you're always going to learn to use. That's what it's all about. Keep using, keep getting out there, keep learning, keep using it. Uh, the transitions will come. Don't fear them, embrace them because that's where, that's where all the good stuff in life is. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode Listeners, I am so thrilled to share with you my upcoming film, When Sparks Ignite, available on Plex Network on the More You channel. So all you have to do, go to my website, stephaniejames.world, to find out the times and the showings for this wonderful film that truly is about the challenges and difficulties we face that then become the match point that ignites something within us that become our gift to the world. So I'm back here 
with Foss Ruggiero. And we're on break. We were talking a little bit about your career with law enforcement, with first responders, and that you've done some, basically some real trauma work with people. You know, I have. And, um, you know, those are the things that as you diversify your career, you kind of stumble onto As we were talking, I, uh, I accepted a position working in a prison on the treatment staff. I was there for five years working. And not only do you work with inmates, you work with administration and you work with officers and uh, officers at, at that point, this is back in the eighties when I was there, uh, they really had no place to go when something was, uh, what was uh, happening with them. And, uh, and law enforcement and first responders have a tendency to stick together and not bring that out to the rest of the world. So I started doing work with them. <clears throat> well, then it went out of the prison and it was local police departments and state police and FBI came in and, and, and there's just so many first responders and, and uh, law enforcement people that I began to work with. Um, it's a very, it's a very different way of living life. It's, it's a, a emotionally protective kind of a situation. So working with those folks and, and being on some of the calls and, and, and hostage situations and things like that really changed, again, one more thing to change the way I look at things. And, you know, when you can see someone who is physically imprisoned or physically a hostage or uh, uh, being assaulted as it's occurring, and then people come into your office and they relate stories that typically you've heard, well, now this happened to me. Well, you've seen it happen and watched a human responding in those situations really changes the way uh, you approach how you're going to help those folks. Wow. Yes. I mean, and, and I, I can only imagine because I've never been in that situation. I am a EMDR specialist. And so have dealt with a lot of people that have been some of those first responders as well. And I've, I'm aware of that. Like when it happens in real life, quote unquote time, the impact to you as well. I imagine, you know, you're also having to take care of yourself after those situations. You know, what's interesting is uh, after you've been through one or two, then you walk in and, and, and they'll, they'll say, please come, we've got this going on. And you get there and that goes out the window. And all of a sudden you are in the moment and you are breathing in the moment and you realize it. And you're not even thinking about what it's doing to you. You're not thinking about your family or a client or, or how do I feel? You, you are immersed in what, it, gra- gathering the information as fast as you can, putting it into a perspective and then making a, a logical uh, decision that's going to help either alleviate or in some way enhance the situation. Uh, so you're really going in the moment. And you know if you learn how to do that, that's great. Uh, if you don't, then it's where all the emotion and all the reactions come in. So mm-hmm. good law enforcement people know that they're in the moment and they're not reacting. They see all the information and they, uh, they know what to do with it uh, again. And, and, you know, how, how does that translate into therapy? Well, that's accelerated. You're really intense. Now you start backing it down when you come into your, 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 your counseling and you're grabbing on all this information and you have the time to think about it. And it now adds in again, one more, entirely new dimension to the way you counsel. Absolutely. And I think I was, was referring to more so after it's over and I'm hearing the importance of it absolutely being present and being there 100%. And after it's over, you know, we know about secondary trauma. Mm -hmm. And that's where, as I've always counseled, it's important to not walk away and close up. 
I just had a, a, a situation where uh, one, one of the uh, emergency personnel people for the first time walked through an, into a, a crisis situation where a house burned, four children were inside, all of them perished, and they were bringing bodies out. First time she'd ever seen that, and of course she has a couple of children of her own. Uh, you know, so I said, and, and the husband called me, I said, she's in now, um, not next week, yeah. now. Um, and because that's got to come out, the reality, the momentary value, everything has to come out. So where I'm going with that is it, it's important to get people to talk right away, because if you don't with uh, first responders, they already have a procedure in their heads to deal with this. So if you don't get to them right away, they default to that, which is compartmentalizing is in there, uh, normalizing is in there, uh, toughening up and I'm above all, that's all in there. And that's the way you have to break those things and push these things out. You want to use those later? Fine. Let me get to this right now. And if you want to scream and yell and cry and throw things, you're welcome to do that. But let me get this out of you right now, because that's, that's what you're going to be stuffing. And by the time you stuff it, it's not that anymore. And and then you're not going to go back and get it. So the key is, and that's what I do with, with the local uh, people that I work with. Um, I'll say, just get me there fast. I don't care what, when it is, just get me there now. And then we just open them up. And that's the key. Wow. And it's, it's always the key with first responders. Don't let them go back and process the way they always did. Because that's where all the good stuff, like the alcohol and the spousal stuff and all that comes in. Then. Right, right. So how powerful to get them as, as quickly as possible mm-hmm. so that that portal is still open. Yeah. And the other thing they do is it's interesting, you know, uh, when I start, when I went to a few of these things as they were happening, and then we walked back into what they call the house where their, their headquarters and they didn't see me all over the place. They say, how are you doing this? And I say, good, let's talk about that. Here's what I did. Here's how I saw it. Here's how I processed it. And then it was just another template for them, so to speak. And that doesn't mean they saw and said, oh, wow, finally. But they saw something different because the other thing about first responders is that the way they handle things tends to be repetition over and over again. So it reinforces itself and it becomes stronger and stronger until it cracks. Mm -hmm. So they now see two things. One is that it makes sense to open it up right away. Someone actually cares for me to do that. And two he's doing that a different way and he's not getting the same things that we're getting. Maybe there's some other ways to do this. Yeah. Again, so powerful when you're able to share with them and it comes from a point of co-experience. Right. It does. Yeah. Which is so much more powerful as, as you and I know than saying, Oh, this is a theory or I read about this in a textbook. And so I have an intellectual understanding. You have literally a physiological real life understanding. Yeah, I think I've always been that. And maybe, maybe that's, you know, part of knowing my, my, uh, my fate, if you will, when I was a young kid. But if you tell me something about it, I say, that's great. And I can, I can really empathize and I have those, those good powers. But there's that part of me that says, I should go there and see that. Because I'm only getting this here. And, and that was, uh, a cop told me that 40, 30 years ago and said, you know, you're getting this in the office, but you don't know what it's like having to break down the door, run inside, and maybe guy's got a gun and maybe he's got his uh, wife and she's got a knife to her throat. You don't know what's going on in the moment at those things. Well, when I saw them, that was a different story now. Now life changes again and I have to make some, 
some changes in the way I think and the way I feel and the way I'm going to handle that and then disseminate whatever information I can, I can put together. Yeah. Wow. Talk about in vivo training yeah. to the highest yeah. extent. You know, and if you're a counselor that, that is willing to do this and so you don't have to go into the crazy situations. Sometimes all you're doing is house calls. You know, uh, someone uh, called me a friend a while back and had several deaths in the family right after another. And this person uh, herself had gone through personal uh, strife and the husband calls. And I said, that's fine. I'll be right over. Well, I, I, it wasn't us. You know what? Bring her in on Tuesday. You know, by that time, all that, all that, the, the heart of this is gone. So I got there. I think three hours after the last passing. So I walked in, knew just what I was dealing with and spent an hour and a half or two hours there. Mm. Uh, and that changed everything for her, for me. And, and not only do you help the person in the moment, but then you walk out as a person who didn't just stay in the office. That office gets very small and the information you, you get is very small. I have people that say, counselors, I think I've heard it all. I said, well, then you're in trouble, you know? If, if that's the case, go find other things because it's all out there. You know, be willing to learn, be willing to keep expanding. That's just, it's just huge. Well, and Foss, it says so much about your heart. I mean, to be able to truly be that open conduit to meet people where they're at, you know, well, I yeah, think that's powerful. If you're going to do this, if you really, really are, are uh, honest about what you're doing, I don't know how you don't do these things. That, that's the way I look at it. If you're so committed, if this is your life and this is my life, this is not what I do. You know, I, I don't go to work. I, I, you know, it's, it's, that's me. I, I can shut it off at the end of the day. You know, as you know, we have to, but it, during that period of time, I want to grab as much as I possibly can. I don't want to miss any of that. It, it's not only to help them, it's who I am. It's what feeds me. So, you know, and if it continues to feed me, then I continue to feed them. It's just, it's basically common sense. It is. It is. I mean, and as you're saying that so often I get the image of like an infinity sign, mm -hmm. like, you know, it's, it's like that energy that's going out and then looping back to you and the healing that goes out from you and then comes back to you. I mean, it's just, it's, it's such an, a, a dynamic um, practice that you're and, in. And, and if you can be conscious about that dynamic, because that's, that's one of the core dynamics. I mean, I even write about it in the book when we talk about wisdom. You know, I, I always say, if you can be humble, that's what feeds wisdom. But, but in that dynamic, the teacher is always the student and it continues to flow. So I, it's another I, I, way of explaining what I do. As I continue to help the people I, I am helping, I continue to learn about them, about me, about the world. And it, and it just, it's a, a reciprocal process that never ends. So it's also probably why I'm still doing this after all these years. I was going to take a, a retirement as I was starting, a, a kind of partial retirement as I was writing. And, and, I, and we closed up the office and I was moving it to, uh, to my home. And I said to people, well, it's good. And anyone wants to come, I'll do it for some of you. And I had a caseload of 42 people at the time and everyone came. And I said, I said to you guys, either I'm not doing something right and you're not getting it, or, you know, we are doing something right here when we are. You know, so, uh, you know, it, it was their way of, uh, of keeping what's going in their lives constant, but they wanted it to end on their terms, which is where it should end. Absolutely. So we're going to do that. And we'll go as long as if I, if I'm counting when I'm 80, I'm counting when I'm 80. That's the way I look at it. I don't have a, 
a set <laughs> goal. So I, 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 I'm that I'm that person that never went to work a day in his life. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I love what I do. I, you know, I, sometimes I say I can't get enough of it, but I better stop for a while and take a breather because you know you need to do that too. Uh, but it's 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 not work to me. It, it's it's you know it's love. It's not work. It shows. It absolutely shows. So inspirational. You know, I have to ask you, though, rewinding just a little bit, because I'm curious. Um, my uncle, Bill, used to be the warden at Canyon City Prison um, here in Colorado. And so we used to have, I remember that was during when I was in high school, we'd have very interesting conversations around that. And he really opened my heart and mind, too, about prisoners being real people and not something just to fear. And so what was what has your experience been like and what inspired you to even go into the prison in the first place? I was working in an alcohol counseling center and um, an offer came from a person on the treatment staff who was trying to deal with uh, uh, substance abuse people, but just didn't have enough training. Uh, would you come in with we could just send someone someone to us for three or four uh, inmates? So we ran it across the staff, and of course, no one wanted any part of it. And I said, why not? So I went in, and uh, I found it fascinating. Uh, um, it was a different way to look at things. Uh, of course, when you went in, you really were escorted to a part of the jail, and you had your little office, and you counseled there. Um, about three, four, four months later, um, the person was leading that invited me in, and the treatment director said, you know, you fit right in, do you? You want this full time. Um, and I said, you know, why not? Let me, let me give it a try. And I remember, I remember walking in the first day and saying, okay, I just did all this training, all, you know, college, graduate school, and I'm working in a jail, you know, but it, you know, now, I, and, and I didn't, I counseled there pretty much when I look back on it, the way I counsel now, I did, I, it was, they, they used to put a, a, a kind of a, joke sign on my door it said you know office for rent because most of the time I wasn't in it I was back in the cells in the in the yard in 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 the chow hall whatever because that's where the people are and I got to see them then uh and then you know we do some office time I spent a lot of time learning uh, about what uh, being an inmate is but also I learned more about what freedom was all about because Mm -hmm. it's a very different concept than we think it is we look at freedom as entitlement. We can do whatever we want. That's not what it is. When, when you really understand freedom, it is how you uh, finally come to terms with you. And when a lot of these people go into jail and they have, if they're not career criminals, they have time to reflect and to come back to the core of who they are. And you see what freedom is. And I remember talking to an inmate that really changed my life. And I said, how is it, you know, You've been in here five years uh, in jail. You're going to go back to the state system. He says, you know what? I'm going to, he said he was going to get out in two or three years. He says, I'm going to get out as a real free man. You're not free, all of you. You're a slave to this and acquisition of that and this societal thing and this social pressure and whatever. I don't have any of that. I found me. Real lesson that I learned there when that man spoke. So, you know, you go into situations that are supposed to be this way and you come out and say, it's just the opposite. So I learned a lot about life in working behind bars. Yeah. I mean, that really hits my heart when you speak to that. Um, 
And I, and I think it's right. We, we can be slaves to our schedule, to our jobs, to ways of being or by identifying ourselves. I, I think you so beautifully start, talked about it earlier as our experience. Like we are that. Like if I'm having an anxiety attack, I'm like, I am that yeah. instead of saying, oh, I'm experiencing anxiety. It's very different than it is me. Yeah. And so to be free from all of that. Wonderful way to live. You know, and uh, as I'm dealing with people with anxiety, and, and I'll tell them that's not who you are. When you when the anxiety comes on, don't say it's because of this and that person did this and this. I'll be able to say physically, I my body is experiencing anxiety. Start from right there. Go physical first, and then say, okay, this is what I'm thinking because that's what anxiety does. It goes physical, then it hits the emotions, then it hits the intellect. And by the time it gets to, to, to our minds and we're, we're gone and we can't think anymore because the assault has been so widespread through the body and through the emotions that the brain can't reason through it. So I said, just, just say, okay, it's my body. I'm not crazy. There's nothing I did that's wrong. I may, I may I can change a few things to stop it. Maybe I don't want to drink 12 cups of coffee tomorrow or something like that, but I can do some things to stop it. But I have to understand that it's only what I have. It's not me. I'm not stuck. This is not who I'm going to be forever. It's just, it's just something that I have to address. People that understand that, they will still have anxiety. They may get the panic attacks, but they understand them and they know what to do with them. And little by little, we get it to the point that it's manageable. And that's just it, right? It's, it's that they are managing the emotions. It's not that the emotions are taking over their life. Exactly. It's been such a big month for me. I'm so thrilled to share with you as well the release of my new book, Becoming Fierce. And that book is by Grace Point Publication, and it's available anywhere that you buy books. So thrilled to have that. And it truly, once again, you know, my, my goal in life has really been to bring as much love and healing through as I can in the world. And this book is really testament as I share my own stories, those of international thought leaders and wisdom keepers that I've worked with, and even the given permission stories that I share from my clients. So we realize that each one of us, our healing matters, and that we can come to a place where we absolutely feel that we have resiliency inside of us, we can cultivate grit and we can absolutely start cultivating that befriending of ourselves and learning how to have a real loving relationships with ourselves, not just in theory. So we can learn how to show up fiercely in this world. And that, of course, means living fully embodied in passion, in our purpose, and open to learning and living full out every day. So welcome back to this part as I'm talking to Faust. I am so thrilled at, I told him during break, I have just been inspired myself at our conversation. And so I want to learn a little bit more about these manuals, about these handbooks, you know, and, and the new one is, you said anxiety and you're, you're a research writer. So tell me a little bit about that process. You know, that's, that it, it goes, it really lends itself well, I think, to writing, um, when, uh, when I decided to write the books, I really spent time saying, okay, how are people learning? Uh, and, and I looked at all the self-help books and, and I mean, 50, 60, 70 page chapters. And I thought, 
that's not what people are doing anymore. You know, they, they want it all. They, they want the headline and, you know, a couple paragraphs and they're done and, and they're drawing conclusions from that. And, and that's dangerous. So I just said, all right, let me put together uh, six, seven page chapters, just packed with the right information and then take them to a point where they can learn how to apply that information. So every book I'm writing has that design with it. Um, it also has, I, it, and when we talk about internal balance, which I mentioned before, uh, I have processes that get, they're like honesty and wisdom and all, you know, humility and gratitude, but there are 52 of them. So I list all those processes. And in each chapter, I tell people which processes you can use that will help you with the particular issue we're dealing with. So honesty will have its, its, its uh, processes and uh, uh, people pleasing and not doing that or setting boundaries or whatever it may be, uh, will all have their processes. So they can learn, they can understand what to apply and then the information will tell them enough about the dynamics of that particular issue. Uh, and then we'll go into in every chapter, okay, these are all the processes you needed to use. This is all the information. Now here are the exact steps. That's what I'm getting back from people. And they're saying, finally, someone says, here's the information, but here's what you do with it. Like, you know, we've heard, we have to love ourselves. And I always said, okay, how? And I never saw anybody tell me how to do that. This, these are the exact steps. The Fix Yourself Handbook gets you to the point that you understand what, what uh, loving yourself is. It's, that's the internal balance. That's nirvana. That's all that stuff. That's what it is. How do you get there? Here's the, here is the roadmap. Do these things. You will get to the point that you love your world. You like your world, then you love being in it, then you'll love yourself in it. And that's how you, 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 you go forward. So the design, you know, and I, and, and I did the research every time we, we, we took a step. Okay, here's the, the, the design. Then I, I was able to put it to about, get it out to about 100 people. How do you like this? They came back and told me. We went through the steps. How do you like this? They came back and, and responded. Then I wrote the first manuscript. I said, okay, 100 people, here it is. What do you think? Then they came back and said, okay, we, we, we like it. And, I, and then I had questions to see if they were grabbing the information. And they were. That's what I needed to know. Yeah, yeah, perfect. And you know, I'm, I'm curious too, as, as people have come back and, and utilized the handbook, what stories can you share from people that have had success and, and some life transformation? You know, uh, the first one that came back was um, a couple that uh, contacted me uh, through my website and said, we're, we're doing this every day. My husband and I, I read a chapter, then he reads a chapter. He would not go to marriage counseling. He was one of those folks who just couldn't do it. But he said, I'll do this with you. And they were doing this and discussing the chapter then they would apply it. The next week, they would read another chapter. And it took them, you know, the better part of a year to get through the book. But after they were done, he said, you know what, this is good. Let's go to counseling. Mm. And, and that was two, a year, two years ago. And I haven't heard from them. But as far as I know, things are okay. When you hear stories like that, that they're, they're using this in a, in a way I never even thought it would be used. You know, I didn't say here, take this to your spouse and everybody read a chapter. They're doing that. Um, businesses, corporate people have, have taken this to their, 
to their uh, team building things. Okay, you know, because what what I said to them was, look, you're, you're bringing in all these marketing programs, all this high tech stuff. Bottom line is, does it fly on its own, or do you have people that have to administer it? Of course, they do, and the program is only going to be good as good as the people who are going to administer. Do you think you might want you might want to get your people okay before you bring in a program? So they started dispersing the book to staff and came back and said, this was fantastic. They said, finally, you know, we didn't just go to some type of a workshop and then someone gave us all these acronyms and all that cool stuff and handed it out. And we put the papers in our desk or in the trash can and never used the program again. This one, we, ha- we have the steps and we keep on going back and, uh, you know, we can do all different kinds of team building based on the, uh, the chapters in the book. So when you hear those kinds of things, yeah, particularly when it was never meant to go there, that, you know, you know, you know, things are doing okay. Things are working. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love that the information in there, it sounds like it's practical. You can apply it to your life and assimilate it into who you are. You know, that I think that's one of the important things in our work as well, that it then becomes a part of who is reading it or who is doing the exercises. And so they are living it instead of like, as you said, like they hear the information and that's it. And then it's gone. Yeah. One, one of the wisest pieces of advice I had before I uh, started writing the book was from a friend of mine who was a professor in one of the local colleges in journalism and said, keep in mind, and this is her words, you're going to write for a reading level that'll be between seventh and ninth grade. And I said, what? She said, they, they can read even, uh, even the, the 12th grade people, they can read, but understanding comprehension you must be able to target that introductory high school level because if you can't get them you're going to have a problem we academic academic people like to show that we're intelligent and that's wonderful but you know then that puts us here and there's no learning we we have to we have to get over here somehow and uh, so when i wrote it i made it very very not low level, but practical. Okay. If this, then this, and you can do this. The other thing I did is wrote the book. I write my books as a journey. All of them are written. So you start where I'm, I'm conflicted. I'm confused, but when it's done, it's like you've been on a journey and you got to the point where you feel worthy and loved and know how to love yourself and, and reciprocate. So all my books are written with a journey because I think if you don't do that, all you did is pass out information. But when you get to the point where you they open that first page and say, I don't know what I'm doing here. And they get to the end and say, there's hope. I can be that person, but I have to do these things along the way. And, I, and, and they, they're worried about commitment and time. And I always say, are you worthy of that? If you don't think you're worthy of all the time it takes to get to exactly where you need to go, no one else will either. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be able to do that. Beautiful. Wow. I just absolutely cannot wait to share your handbook with my clients. <laughs> and how do people get it? Uh, it's it's at usual places, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the retailers like that. Uh, you, you can go to my website, fosterrigero.com. And uh, there, you know, there's a link to they can go buy things. The website has excerpts from the books, uh, all those types of things. So you can actually check into and say, well, here's part of a chapter. Do I like the way that's, that's presented? 
So you'd actually have a chance to, you know, I think it's good for us to be transparent, you know, let's throw it out there and give them some samples. And if they like it, then they'll say, yeah, I think I'm, I think that's for me. Or if not, then maybe something else is. Yes. And we will have links to your website so people can get a hold of you and contact you and order the book and all that wonderful stuff. Foster, as we wrap up, what is your essential message that you'd like to leave with the audience? You know, um, if there's anything that's come out of my work and my life, my, my, my training, what I've written, is that the same thing I tell people all the time. You think you don't have it. You think someone else is better. You think you're never going to be uh, uh, what you want to be. Keep in mind that everything you need to be happy and productive and successful is already inside you. You, st- you just don't know how to go get it. And that's all any of us who are good are telling you what to do. It's already inside. Learn how to find it, to define it, to learn and, and how to use it. And you can be the person you want to be. But it's already there. Don't go looking for it. Create it. Love that. Love that. It's already there. Foss, thank you so much for being a guest on The Spark and for sharing all of your love and inspiration and wisdom with all of us. Stephanie, it's been a wonderful experience, an awesome interview, and uh, let's keep in touch. I thought this was fantastic. Wonderful. So join us. Make sure you subscribe to The Spark with Stephanie James so you can be a part of more wonderful conversations like this. Thank you for being here with us. This has been The Spark igniting your best life.